and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 181. I am your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to finish out Star Trek The Animated Series first season with the episodes The Ambergris Element, The Slaver Weapon, The Eye of the Beholder, and The Jihad. They all start with the word the. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. The Ambergris Element, Season 1, Episode 13, Production Code 22013, Original Air Date December 1st, 1973, Directed by Hal Sutherland, Written by Margaret Arman. While exploring the watery planet Argo, Captain Kirk and Spock are lost from their survey party when their aqua shuttle is attacked by a giant sea creature. After a lengthy search... The two are found transformed into water breathers. Dr. Dr. McCoy's analysis indicates that this could not have been accomplished by natural processes, leading to the conclusion that intelligent life must still exist on the planet, but under the sea. Help! Can breathe! What happened to them, Doctor? What is it? Something's changed their whole lung structure. They can't live in the air anymore. Steve, kick us off on Ambergris Element. All righty. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed in this was that there are some different voices uh, mixed in with some of the minor characters. Um, no, 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 Steve. Those are all Jimmy doing. Oh, wow. He's talented. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, <laughs> well, and some of some of them reminded me of because years later, uh, this company made Masters of the Universe, right? He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And I watched that like in the early 80s. And some of those voice actors, I recognize voice from voicing some of those characters. But um, so anyway, yeah. So we have the uh, obviously the element that they wanted to exploit here is being in the water, which they couldn't do in the original series. So clearly, it's just let's do stuff we couldn't do live action. And um, we have the saving money with the like they do with spacesuits. They do with water suits with the whole glowing <laughs> line around them. That's that's cool. That's pretty cool technology and um yeah otherwise i mean this is one of these kind of just yeah you know average i mean it's again interesting to see the water interesting to see an aqua shuttle or whatever they call it but uh oh i like the part where it sounds like it's an outboard motor on the shuttle that's fun oh yeah. that's awesome yeah, I, love yeah. That. I was i was hoping one of them would be back there actually manning the outboard motor that would have been fun but yep. um anyway I wanted another one to come up alongside them, and they would like race. Right, 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 right. That's what I wanted. Yeah. You, you fishing yeah. for bass or some kind of conversation? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. Was weird. So yeah, that shuttle, the aqua shuttle, and then that green water species—they were called the aquans, <laughs> right? I yeah. think they would be like, "I'm sorry, dude, that's our shuttle." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adam, what are your first thoughts on Ambergris Element? Yeah, I'm probably in agreement with Steve. I like, I mean, you know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I like the concept. The water world concept's kind of cool. When next time we saw this was what in Voyager? Was there a water world episode in Voyager? I believe. Possible. I know there was one. Yeah, but they didn't have a cool little boat like Scotty has. Mm. They used the Delta Flyer in that one, didn't they? Silly Delta flyer. Lame. Anyway, yeah, I mean, like I said, you you see them doing stuff that they weren't able to do in the um, original show. I mean, it's it's an interesting episode. It's um, I would say it's paced pretty well. Um, 
I, w- I thought it would have been fun to see Kirk in a um, aquarium on the bridge, but what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> kinda, he said, I don't, have, I don't have a whole lot more to add than what Steve did. It's kind of weird the way McCoy is curing them, which, I mean, if you really think about it, it's pretty lame. Yeah. Get this, like, venom from the red, you know, monster guy and just, what? I don't know. But fine, okay. Um, but McCoy, McCoy is curing him, and he can, and he's he's in the water tank. <laughs> McCoy is curing him. Like nobody thought that there's a problem with this, you know. Like we're gonna cure him and make it so that he doesn't have to breathe water anymore. But we've got him submerged in a tank where you breathe water. I don't know. There seemed to be kind of a fundamental failure. Well, that, that was the second time. Monster. Remember when they were on the rocks? They, you know, how were they supposed to breathe? How long were they on the rocks where they couldn't breathe on the mm. rocks? Oh, yeah, they're yeah, they don't have a good grasp. Yeah, you have to plan for success a little bit. You know, you kind of have to have a plan. Listeners, take heed. If you ever find yourself missing the last five days of your life and you have gills and webbed hands and feet, plan, plan. That's what we're telling you. I think I'm. I mean, I'm with you guys. There's some. There's some interesting, cool ideas in here. Overall, I find the story uh, not terribly interesting. Um, even with that, uh, with that species, the Aquans, like they hold that tribunal or whatever, and there's so much exposition where they're trying to explain how they got mm. there and what they. That I was really turning off, but there are some cool concepts in there. It's not the best of the four we're talking about today, and it's not the no. worst. No, that's probably true. Yeah, when uh, Kirk's getting cured and he's like cycling through various colors, I thought for a second he was, uh, he was turning into the Hulk there too. That would have been interesting. Was like, <laughs> Kirk angry. <laughs> Again, my first thought was, oh yeah, the guy's colorblind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the animator. Yeah, right. The animator. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the ruins are kind of neat. I like the idea that it's left with the ruins above water. I didn't really understand how that happened. Mm. But... I mean, if you want to get into... I mean, it, it kind of did have something it was trying to say, I guess. Like, All right. What was it about? What was it about? I kind of felt like, you know, it was about um, different civilizations coming together. You know, they obviously had a... They obviously used to live on the in the air. And then, um, you know, in their explanation, they were underwater. And they had a prejudice against um, people in on top side um, based on scripture and things like that and um, superstition. So I think it's trying to say, you know, you have to get past, um, I guess it was trying to say you have to get past the past and um, look to the future and try to be cooperative with everybody. They also seem to be emphasizing at some point, they may at least made a, a, a passing mention of staying in contact across generations and that kind of thing. So you don't lose your history and, stay inclusive or something of that nature one good thing i noticed i can kind of remember these episodes based on the color of the species Mm -hmm. so this one they're the green guys you know the next one they're like the orange guys and then um the one after that they're well they're the snail guys what color they're kind of a Mm. brownish color i thought they were kind of red yeah there's yeah you're right there's kind of red and then of course the jihad is is just a weird episode. I mean, we're we're saying it is about some things, but I don't much care for this episode. So I mean, I think maybe. it's you know it's passing. You know, obviously it's not like really cohesive and doing a great job of 
I call it middle of the road average for the um, animated series. I wouldn't say it was. Like I said, yeah, I don't think it's the worst of the bunch that we're going to talk about today. But it's, so I, I kind of look at it. I, I didn't dislike it, um, but yeah, I would say it's average at best for the animated series. All right, let's do six degrees for the ambergris element. I'm going to give this one to Steve because uh, he answered it naturally during our discussion. Steve, what was the name of the specialized Enterprise shuttlecraft? Oh, the Aqua Shuttle? Yes, sir. Steve has one. Moving on. The Slaver Weapon, Season 1, Episode 14, Production Code 22011. Original air date, December 15th, 1973. Directed by Hal Sutherland. Story by Larry Niven. Written by Larry Niven. The Enterprise shuttlecraft Copernicus, carrying Spock, Lieutenant Lahora, and Helmsman Lieutenant Sulu, are en route to Starbase 25 to deliver a stasis box. A rare artifact of the slaver culture, the non-existent slavers use these objects to carry weapons, valuables, scientific instruments, and data. The boxes can detect each other, and evidence shows that another device is located nearby. Identify yourself. Lieutenant Sulu of the Starfleet Vessel Enterprise. This is First Officer Spock. You're a Vulcan. I feel no pressing need to talk to an eater of roots and leaves. Humans, at least, are omnivorous. I am Chuffed Captain. You are prisoners aboard the privateer Traitor's Claw, a stolen police vessel. Adam, start us on the slaver weapon. Um, I like this episode. Um, just, you know, first off, obvious reasons. You know, it's just Spock, Uhura, and Sulu. It's probably, you know, up to this point, you've never seen that in Star Trek. No, um, no Captain Kirk, um, no McCoy. I mean, occasionally the McCoy will have a lesser role, but obviously you even in some of the episodes where Kirk wasn't the main character in the original series, he was still around um, somewhat. So this was an interesting episode. It kind of reminded me a little bit more of a, a next generation episode where, you know, where the shuttlecraft episode where they're off doing, there's several of those in next gen. So um, the, the concept's interesting, you know, this culture that lived a billion years ago that controlled the, the galaxy. Um, I mean, it's kind of goofy, these boxes that, that, that detect each other, but I mean, you know, it's a cartoon. So, um, overall the story for me, the story moved well. Um, it was interesting and, um, yeah, I thought to me, it's the best of the four we talk about today. Yeah. I kind of like this episode too. Um, it is cool that it feels unique that, that there's no Kirk. Uh, I mean, I certainly wouldn't want this all the time, but, um, as this, as a one shot here, it, it's, it's, it's cool. It's interesting. It's unique. Like I, yeah, I concur with all that. Um, it's it's kind of forward in that sense because you know we're used to that in other treks where it's not always the captain that has to be the center of things. Yeah, like here, yeah. it's it's Star Trek is bigger than the captain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's and it's bizarre because you get some real insight. I mean, and that's really hard to do with these very brief episodes. You get some insight into some culture and history and et cetera, et cetera, that we've never even seen otherwise, you know? So it's, it's some kind of bizarre stuff, but it's, it's interesting. If, if I have any one minor complaint about it, it's that um, our heroes don't seem like, I mean, they, they don't have much effect mm, on the story. Yeah. Like right. they, they don't, they never take really take charge. They certainly aren't a part of the story's conclusion or anything like that. They're more like just along for the ride. 
uh, and, and that's what allows us to see it. Um, but you know, that's, that's a, that's a minor thing here. I think some of these concepts are really, I love the concept of this. What is the, what is the box called? Oh, stasis box. Stasis box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're called stasis boxes. Yeah. That's a really cool idea that something could be in there for a million years or whatever. And it doesn't. I think I said a billion years. Yeah. It was interesting. You know, um, they were even give a little history, you know, Spock talks about the, some of the technology that they got from these, this culture or the, you know, the gravitation and the ships and the things of that nature. Yeah. Stasis box is like really good Tupperware. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And just really sealed. Kept the it is well. neat that they show the meat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was an odd, that was odd stuff that they had in that box. A picture of a lizard, um, a steak. What else yeah. Like a there? photo in there. Oh, neat. Cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it reminded me of like the end of the jerk. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought the Copernicus shuttlecraft looked cool that they were flying in. Yeah, it was very cool. Mm -hmm. It was very big. Yeah. Yeah, another interesting shuttle. Yeah. The shuttles, the regular shuttles, regular Enterprise original series Enterprise shuttles can't do warp, right? Right. Right. In fact, some even in next gen, the earliest ones, they indicated they were just impulse. Yeah. Hmm. It wasn't until they got the bigger shuttlecraft that could. What were those? What were those craft called? We saw more in runabouts. Uh, I think runabout, yeah, run that, yeah. Yes, nine. Yeah, this seemed more like a runabout shuttle. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I was asking. This thing seems so big. I thought maybe it could do warp. Hmm. They did seem pretty far away from the Enterprise, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, do you, do you get the sense like? They just do missions like this. We never saw it on the original series, really. But yeah, maybe. like you were saying, Adam, we see this sort of thing on Next Gen, but we don't see it on the original series. Well, the closest thing we came in the original series, what was it, when Spock, he, he let, you know, when they crashed on that planet? Galileo uh, was, 1? Yeah, I mean, that's the closest thing I can remember to a... Just um, Galileo, whatever that, yeah. I forget what that episode's called. But Yeah, that's the closest thing I can think to, a, like a shuttle episode mm -hmm. in the original series. But that was just that that felt like a mission that was only supposed to take a few hours. Right. This feels like a mission that was supposed to take a week mm. or two or something, right. you know. Like they were on this this yeah. shuttle for a while. Mm-hmm. The uh is it Zinti or Kazinti? Right. It can't be Zinti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to do I had to rewind because I thought he said Zindi at one point. I was like, I was Zindi. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he didn't just say Zindi did Kazindi. Yeah, I mean they're they're fine. They're I like them. They're bad guys. Yeah. They're sure fine. They're, they're they're orange. It's funny these little nuggets like you know the telepaths are like depressed and lethargic or whatever it is, and he's just moping around <laughs> or whatever. Okay. So I got that he, he didn't want to read their minds because they ate vegetables. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. A sentiment that my six-year-old son didn't entirely <laughs> understand. <laughs> uh. I thought, I, for a minute there, I thought the whole episode was going to be like kind of on the ice planet. I mean, it sort of is, but they're very quickly in the Kazinti's uh, uh, spacecraft. Right. Um, so we don't really see much of the ice planet after that. But I thought, well, that would be kind of neat. We haven't, this this level of, I mean, it, all, it almost looks like there's no atmosphere. and You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it looks different. It's not just the snow planet like we did see on original series. The weapon I didn't quite follow. It's just it's it's just a weapon that can turn into any kind of weapon. Yeah. Ult ultimately, weapon. I guess it can self-destruct, and so it's kind of violent. There, we basically even see 
blood and guts, you know, we obviously they knock out that whole bunch. I did read one little factoid that said the Kazinti dying here when the weapon explodes is the only are the only clear deaths oh, in the animated series. So there weren't a lot of red shirts, I guess. Right. Pink shirts. No, the phasers don't really work very well on this in the animated right. series. There weren't a lot of pink shirts. Yeah. What's this episode about? Staying together as a team. I mean, you know, Spock, Ahura, and Sulu. They had to stay together as a team to, to be, you know, they worked together. You know, I think it was Sulu who kind of figured out what the weapon was, and Spock figured out what to do with it. And yeah, Ahura. I think there might be a little bit too of, um, you know, the hazards and not respecting, you know, um, the unknown and, and for that matter, the, you know, prior cultures and so on, and just kind of assuming you can, you know, that you, you're more powerful, you can take over and you can handle everything. And obviously there's, there are mysteries and unseen dangers and so forth. So, so, uh, Adam, you feel like this is the best one we're talking about today, Steve, where would you put it? I would agree. Yeah. I think this is one of the better ones. Yeah, for sure. In the whole series, really. Let's do six degrees for the slaver weapon. Adam. Yep. Kirk is not in this episode. How many other broadcast episodes of the original series or the animated series does Kirk not appear in? Would it be none? That is correct. Tried to trick you on that one. (laughs) Yeah, this is the only one. And then, of course, he's in the first uh, uh, seven movies. So, mm-hmm. okay. Just out of curiosity, so was, was there was there a reasoning for that, or was just the way the script was written? I'm going to sound to our list. I'm sure we have some listeners that are like real sci-fi literature nuts, and I'm gonna, I, I apologize to you up front because I'm going to sound like I don't know much about what I'm talking about. The guy that wrote this episode was apparently. Um, a big name in sci-fi literature and he had written a series of books with this certain universe and the Kazinti were characters in that universe and this is kind of a televised version of one of the stories that he had because he had the slaver box and all or whatever he had the box and stuff and he had the Kazinti um, and Gene Roddenberry and DC Fontana recommended that he adapt that story for this and one of the few things and they said just put our characters in it and one of the few things he said was um can i leave out kirk and they said sure (laughs) so people that were like you know in the early 70s and late 60s that had been reading his books and liked this universe that he had created they were probably really excited to watch this episode and say oh look it's the kazinti and they're on tv that's really neat (laughs) and they're now they're in star trek but we did not have that experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, One-to-one, moving on. The Eye of the Beholder, Season 1, Episode 15, Production Code 22016. Original air date, January 5th, 1974. Directed by Hal Sutherland, written by David P. Harmon. The Enterprise investigates the disappearance of a scientific team. Their starship, Ariel, is located near an aban- near, abandoned near a planet with its captain having transported to the planet's surface. 
A landing party beams down to discover a series of unusual environments on the planet. The crew meets the L- L- Lutherans, a group of 20-foot slugs with intellectual cap- capabilities far beyond their own. Spock senses they are telepathic, but communicating at a rate of speed far too fast for the Vulcan to comprehend. They activated another force field. This is real grass. Yes, Doctor. This area has been carefully prepared for human types. The aliens are safe now. How's that? They are safe because we are now exhibits in a zoo. A zoo? I'm no animal. On this planet, Bones, they seem to be the people, and we are the animals. The Eye of the Beholder. This one, my first three notes were, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, fire weapons at sea creature. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, fire weapons at land creature. And Kirk, Spock, McCoy, fire weapons at air creatures. (laughs) So the big difference there, of course, was the air creatures. That's plural. There were multiple air creatures. Yeah. Uh, So that was a big change from the previous encounters. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, what do you what do you think about this one? Well, there's a lot of stupid stuff in this. Um, I looking over my notes, we got the doctor squished, flailing around under this thing, which was absurd. I mean, I don't know. What... I like how the, I like how Kirk and Spock seem to kind of be taking their time. But they're almost like, you know, yeah. they got their arms up and just kind of leaning on it, and they're just kind of talking. Like, and oh, geez. Kirk, Spock has like a long line about. Yeah. You know, this is not what we're doing. It's not the most logical. <laughs> Um, he's flailing about be, yeah he could be Suffoca- uh, dying yeah. yeah he could be suffocating uh, I would suggest that we consider possibly taking a more logical route to free the doctor yeah that, I like that part, yeah. um, and then uh, let's see what else the, we have um, yeah they accidentally beam up the creature just because it had the communicator like the, it's just it's that I mean it, it seems a little simple you know I mean I, I, I'm I alarmed I would have liked that better if if as soon as that creature lands in the pad, if Scotty had been like, "Hello, Captain," <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Oops, our sensors detect that you're not the captain." Yeah, <laughs> um, and then we have these terms like thought screen and nonsense, and then the the stupidest term of all is this differentiation between our centuries and their centuries. <laughs> anyway. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, there's there's worse stuff, but it, there's just a lot of there's a lot of dumb stuff here. I, there are some aspects. That, yeah, there's definitely a lot of dumb stuff, which really does hold this episode back. But it's to me, I mean, it's probably the second best of the episodes we're yeah, discussing yeah, today. Yeah. Um, you know, slaver weapon being the you know the standout today. But um, Eye of the Beholder does have some things I like. I actually like the creatures, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Once we get to the zoo, everything before that seems just like filler. The actual story seem, doesn't seem to happen until they get to the zoo, and I think that there's just some, there's some solid ideas and concepts in there. It, it's still weak. It still has a lot of problems. I still didn't really enjoy watching that, but I like some of the concepts there, yeah. even if they're not unique as far as like Star, I think Star Trek has explored them before. The creatures, for example, that they're super super intelligent and they're just totally not humanoid yeah you know uh we've seen that sort of thing before but i still think that's an interesting concept i still like the way it makes you question um your own kind of 
almost like value system or the way, I don't know, the way we're arrogant about, you know, humanoids mm-hmm. uh, evolving and running mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Know. So there, there's enough things in there that I like. And I, you know what, you know, what's interesting is that I remembered this episode, not until they got to the zoo, but once I saw those creatures, I actually remembered this episode, mm-hmm. which is not true for most of the episodes of the animated series yeah. that we watch. So there's something about it that, that always kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. But Adam? Yeah, you were talking about it. I know neither of you were watching the Orville, but they did this episode in the Orville. They did it far better. Um, but they did a zoo where the crew was captured and put in a zoo of um, of more intellectually powerful beings. So, um, yeah, this one, this kind of this episode just kind of popped out on me because, like, yeah, that was like three or four episodes ago in Orville. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe Seth watched the show and wrote this, <laughs> wrote it better. Well, and, and Trek's done it better, yeah. right? I mean, the cage and menagerie, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, no, I mean, the or- Orville did it. It was more specific. It was actual zoo. You know, the cage, those, that was a little bit more. Twilight Zone did a great episode. That was a little bit more abstract. This mm-hmm. was more on the net. Orville did, this, it was more recognizable. It was an actual zoo, 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 when mm-hmm. people walked by and, and viewed you in your yes. habitat, um, as opposed to like the cage is a little bit more abstract felt mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it, it was an okay episode like i'm with you guys it had some the first half of the episode is like they're wandering through the you know the desert and the jungle and it's like you know that it's almost kind of like it that episode where they go to the what was it the planet and where everything when they think of things it appears we just talked about that in the last oh yeah it kind of reminded me of that was was this the section where they fired phasers at a sea creature and then they fired phasers at a land creature and then they (laughs) air creatures air creatures possibly yeah but yeah i I agree with you brian the story didn't really start until they got to the zoo and when they walked into the zoo and got trapped by just walking through a door the water's too pure it's too pure, pure he said several times too pure I also like the uh, funny thing was when they getting ready to leave and they say, let's travel light and they bring all the same stuff. I mean, like what, what's traveling light, you know, we got a tricorder phaser, <laughs> you know, communicator. We're good. Travel light. They didn't bring Scotty. Right. Right. They just left him. Yeah. So, that's how they did it. So they said it was like 80 kilometers that they were being held by the trunks of those slugs. Was that, it was like the city was 80 kilometers or something. They thought it was more. I thought it was 90 something. 90 something. Yeah. So they'd have been like traveling for hours upon hours. <laughs> I think they actually did say hours, didn't they? Yeah. That must have been fun. What if you had to pee? You just yeah. go? I guess so. You just think pee and then they'd set you down and you can pee. <laughs> 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 Uh, coil you up again I like as another example of the way you change things for animated series um, Kirk has a line like I feel a need for human companionship which of course in the original series would have been something about a good woman yeah nice yeah Got a few years here of evolution would you guys agree with me on kind of where you'd place this in today's we haven't gotten to the jihad yet, but maybe that's probably going to be the one that I have the hardest time. Um, with. I would put this one. I would still put um the water world above this one because at least that one was. A, it just seemed like it was a little bit more co- coherent. That one had green yeah, guys. Green guys. To yeah. me, that one just seemed structurally mm-hmm. more coherent than this one. I mean, and it kind of had something to say. I don't really know what this one, what they were trying to say in this one. So just from a, a structural point of view i would put this one second to last 
Yeah, it'd be hard to say for sure. I think. I mean, I think it's in that ballpark. I mean, you know, obviously we, as we discussed, the uh, slaver weapon top, and then um, I, the beholder, and ambergris element both have their issues, but um, have some something, you know, something to it. And then jihad, you know, just bizarre. What is the what is this episode, the Eye of the Beholder, about? Don't um, voluntarily walk into a zoo. Um, I guess about understanding new creatures and learning to communicate with them and not judge them. I don't know. It might be kind of a strange. Oh, so you weren't talking about necessarily sea creatures and land creatures and air creatures, because <laughs> if you were shooting phasers at them the first time you right. saw them, you wouldn't be learning about them. Okay. Yeah, and see, we joke, but that's what keeps this from being really good, right? I mean, if you'd have, if they would have somehow kept the focus on what we saw once they hit the zoo, and kept it, you know, you know, kept it real and not too, you know, doing a whole bunch of dumb stuff and et cetera, et cetera, and you know, maybe they had something that would be one of the higher quality ones, kind of like we have the slaver weapon, because there, there is kind of something to say there, you know, about. Um, you know, you can't, you can't take for granted the whole judging a book by its cover and, you know, under, trying to understand and communicate with that, which is not like you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that was definitely going on here, you know, and uh, it was, it was, as you pointed out, we had a creature that was very not humanoid, you know, but was intelligent and got a little backstory, but so I think they did a little bit of that. And unfortunately they didn't get to the point they didn't spend the bulk of the episode focused on that, I guess. All right, let's do Six Degrees to the Eye of the Beholder. Uh, just a quick reminder to our listeners that our normal Six Degrees, where we ask about an actor that played another role, we're kind of taking a break from that for the animated series, since really they just use the same voice actors over and over and over. But uh, we will be getting back to that very soon. Okay. Uh, let's see. Adam, are you going this one or the next one? Um, I'll go the next one. Steve, Uhura does not appear in this episode. And how many episodes of the animated series, including this one, is Uhura missing? Is it three, five, or six? Hmm. Three? You are correct. Nice. Three. All right. Steve has two. Adam has one. Moving on. The Jihad, Season 1, Episode 16, Production Code 22014, Original Air Date, January 12th, 1974, Directed by Hal Sutherland, Written by Stephen Candle, Guest Appearance by David Gerald as M3 Green. The Enterprise arrives at the Valdella asteroid, where Captain Kirk and Spock have been summoned to take part in the latest of several failed secret quests to learn about stolen religious artifact, the soul of Sora, the theft of which could ignite a galactic holy war. You'll start a bloody crusade across the galaxy. Tell us why, Char. The score were a warrior race. Now what are we? Slaves to the illusion of peace. Cowards, soft in our comfort. This sick dream has stolen our souls. Well, here's the sentence I've never written before. I like that Char throws up feathers when he gets hit by purple dragons. <laughs> I haven't put those words together in a sentence. Um, I would like right off the bat for someone to explain to me what the following sentence is. <laughs> 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 You're wondering which one. Yeah, 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 I was waiting. 
All right. This it's if we were together, we'd have some green memories. <laughs> Kirk knew what she meant. I don't. I don't know what she meant. It looks like something you'd see in subtitles, you know, that's poorly translated in something, you know, or it's like <laughs> mm, there's something that means something, but you don't know, you know. I had down in my notes on so that. So you guys didn't get it? No. No. I mean, I thought maybe she meant like, um, you know, like ecologically sound, like they'd recycle together or something. Right, well, that could be it. But I didn't see why Kirk would react all sultry to that. Uh, I'll research it, I guess. All right. The weirdest thing I had in my notes on this episode is like when they're there, it's towards the end, they're getting close to the artifact and Kirk's like... Let's all take a break, and everybody has to go. No, we should keep going. No, we should keep going. But I was like, they just have to fill some time or something. Why would it? You know, they, they yeah, get the doors totally open. Like, like, let's take a breather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's totally what it felt like. And even Spock, Spock isn't just like yeah, Spock has like a long answer <laughs> why they should immediately get going. Right. <laughs> it was weird too because I had just, uh, gosh, what was it? Oh, when we finished the original series and I watched the, what was it called? The Vault or Roddenberry Vault or whatever, which was, you know, kind of lame. But they did have a new commentary track with David Gerald on Trouble with Troubles, which I listened to. And I've listened to David Gerald several times on different commentary tracks. And I've seen him in person at conventions and heard him speak. I forgot that he did a voice on the animated series, and I forgot that he did a voice specifically in this episode. And I, the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, "Gosh, that that little M Green guy sure sounds like David Gerald. <laughs> He's a writer; he wouldn't do a voice." So that really threw me off. And then I found out it actually was it is David Gerald, um, the guy that wrote Trouble with Troubles. So that was bizarre. Um, but oddly, in this episode, it's kind of not bizarre. Because they have green memories and purple dragons. But, uh, you know, I don't even know that I like the idea of this episode. Like, this is this is the only episode today that I really kind of disliked. Yeah, it was kind of jumped. For one thing, structurally, it was jumbled. It was kind of all over the place. Kind of weird. I would have liked to know more about the, the other... Um, the other aliens that had been like, um, you know, warp drive capability for so many years. And apparently they have this weird power over everybody. The other cat creatures. I did enjoy every time, every time she said something, you'd be like, they, they set it up. Like these are like, you know, the A team guys, the mission Mm -hmm. impossible guys, right? Right, Every one of these people. The only thing I saw was that David Gerald's funny little nerdy guy, the green guy, he was able to do, Anything they needed, oh, I can do that. Yep, I can do that. I saw that. I didn't see how anybody else did anything. Offered up anything. Honestly, not even Kirk and Spock, other than being able to like do one kick off the wall and punch the guy in zero G, <laughs> which is a whole different thing we can talk about in a minute. But I didn't understand what anybody's specialty was. That that woman that wanted the green memories, like her, she was a tracker. Was funny. Was she? Is that what they did? That's what she was supposed to she be. Said, she said, go this way. And all that really meant was run away from the lava. Mm-hmm. Well, she's really good in her job. 
<laughs> I'm glad you didn't say to run into the lava because I, I didn't want to do that. And um, she was ready to get busy the whole episode. Yeah. Come we find a man attractive. We say so. I'm saying so. How do you find me? <laughs> I didn't understand if she was human or not. I mean, they said she was human at some she point. She said like she was, but they didn't make that sound at the beginning. Like each one of you is from a different species. Right. It's bizarre. Yeah. yeah well, they kind of made her weird. I mean, I mean, she had the big oblong head with the crazy eyebrows. So she kind of looked not entirely human. I mean, yeah, human-esque. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, and then her name was Laura. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I thought this episode was a bit lame. Um, even just, like, the basic story, once you get past Mission Impossible, guys... Well, even if you could, even if you could breed a billion soldiers, wouldn't you still have to have the ships to transport them? Yeah, I mean, I did make a point when I was early on in the episode when I was trying to make sense of things, and I made a point of in my notes about uh, you still have to have resources to feed these people. I mean, you can't just, you know, what our strategy is: we're going to breed fast. I mean, you know, you still need resources <laughs> to, to to transport mm, them to yeah, whatever. I mean keep keep them alive and then yeah get them where they need to be so it's you know it's kind of like i mean i think that's the last thing we need to be dwelling on i guess in this bizarre episode is what's wrong with it but yeah yeah they don't, like i said the only thing i found interesting about this episode were the um the creatures that summoned them all there mm-hmm. i would have liked to have known more about them but yeah they seem so powerful it's like why did they need these other people to do this yeah yeah well, they couldn't survive on the the. That was their explanation. They couldn't survive on the molten planet. Uh huh. Hmm. It's almost like they're trying to. This episode is like they're trying to throw so much weird stuff out there just to keep you from, you know, making to to try to you know it's like too much to make sense out of to try to so you just kind of dismiss it and move on and don't realize how big of a cluster it is. I mean, it's almost like if we throw enough crazy stuff here. At the audience, they'll just forget it. Char, Char has the ability to just turn off gravity. Well, there's another example. How do you do that? Um, I don't understand. I really didn't understand that. And and that was his master plan. I've secretly stolen this thing. Why did he bring them all there? Which yeah, will, I mean, you know. Which, yeah, which will cause my race to fight once they realize it was stolen. If only there was some way that I could tell them that it was stolen. I think he could just tell them yeah. that it was mm. stolen. Yeah, when yeah when they brought that up, when they, I mean, yeah, I realized he's you know he's the secret Batman, but why bring everybody there? It didn't really make a lot of sense. I'm like, you could have just destroyed it, and I don't know. This episode has a lot of problems. Let's put it that way. To me, it was one of the more confusing episodes that, that we've watched so far in the original series. Or, I mean, in the um, animated series. I, I won't in any way fault the episode for this, but uh, I think if they made this episode today, in addition to all the other things they would do differently, they would probably change the title. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. You get connotations. That title didn't mean the kind of things that it means today. Even, like, the end. like um, So, I mean, I, I don't understand how char just turns off gravity okay fine but then immediately i'm still just confused constantly confused the whole last couple minutes um char is to be quote healed of his madness unquote lobotomized basically is what i got (laughs) 
Yeah, you think that's what they meant? Well, I mean, that's anytime you ever watch any other side. I mean, you see it in any, many side, but we're going to heal him of his madness. I mean, basically, when you see that in any other Star Trek episode or anything, it usually gets you're usually going to be lobotomized. I don't know. That's the way. I, that's that's what that's why I talk. Kirk and Spock are okay with whatever that is. They didn't object. Like, and so, oh, how did they? And also, the other thing is like, how did these? How did they stop time? Because when they went back to the Enterprise, it was like, oh, you were only gone a couple minutes. I mean. Yeah, but a better question. So yeah, I put what the hell next to Kirk and Spock returned to Enterprise after only two minutes. What the hell? But a better question is why? Who cares? I mean, what? Yeah, it, it's again one of those examples of just doing something to do it. It's, it makes it think like they're just trying to confuse people on purpose, you know, with with just nonsense for no purpose, you know, out there. Well, you know, if I responded to every episode the way I I responded to this episode. Um, I would have a hard time with the animated series, but I don't. You know, this is an outlier. Uh, so they all can't be winners, right? So be it. What is this, the jihad about? I don't know. Don't have a holy war, I guess. Yeah, it's just not just not worth trying to have a holy yeah. war. Instead, just make some green memories and yeah, make green enjoy memories. The ride, you know. We create good memories. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. No, I don't. No one else knows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think she means they're gonna they're gonna warp to uh, Argo, right? That's where mm, the yeah. people live. Mm-hmm. Or Orion, right? Those they are could go to Orion. Yeah, yeah. I guess that'd probably be simpler. Um, that's some green memories you got there. Okay. <laughs> Let's have our final six degrees for the day. This will be Adam, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, Charged character design was a reuse of a design we saw in a previous episode of the animated series. In this other episode, this creature was the Aurelian Alik Om. What episode was that? Pretty much looked identical. Aurelian? The, what episode? It was the animated series. Was it that the... Yep. The, the time trap? No. Steve? Gosh. Um, I'm just going to throw a title out there. The Infinite Vulcan? No. I'm going to go back to Adam and I'm going to give you a hint. The Guardian of Forever. Mm. Once Upon a Planet? Steve? Uh, Yesteryear? Yes, sir. Yesteryear. Do you remember him now? So picture this orange or the yellow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, picture him standing next to the Garden of Forever in yesteryear. Same design. They reused a lot, as we saw. They reused those purple dragons in like three episodes. And then this time they had them blow up and said, oh, they're robots. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, uh, so slaver weapons, pretty solid. And uh, the other two were fine. And then there was that fourth. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right, so folks, I wanted to give you a a rundown of our plans for the rest of the year. This is still a little tentative, but our, so our tentative plan is two weeks from now, we will do the first three episodes of the animated series season two. And let's see, so that would post on the 30th of November. And then two weeks after that, posting on the 14th of December, we would finish out the animated series season two with the final three episodes of animated series season two. And then two weeks after that, so posting probably on the 28th of December, maybe a little sooner, somewhere around there, 
No, I won't post early. I never post early. Uh, we would do our holiday episode, which this year I think we are going to talk about The Last Jedi, and that will give everybody a couple of, all you, our listeners, a couple of weeks to have seen it, since uh, those discussions are always spoiler-filled. Uh, and then two weeks after that, so posting around the 11th of January, we are going to start Voyager. I'm not sure if I've mentioned that, but that's the plan. So our next couple episodes, we're going to be finishing out the animated series, and then we'll have an episode talking, our holiday episode, where we talk uh, about Star Wars The Last Jedi. And then after that, our first episode of 2018, we're going to start Star Trek Voyager. So hope you, our listeners, are cool with that. Because <laughs> that's the plan. Uh, I hope... Uh, I hope that you all stick with us. Hey, if you're still listening to us during the animated series, <laughs> you are the most faithful of the faithful, not just Star Trek fans, but listeners of our show. So if you're listening to us now, surely you're going to listen to us when we do uh, Voyager. But um, uh, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And um, until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.